It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. It's cold, but not as cold as it was. You know, only in Edmonton can people say, it's minus 30, really warming up. But that's what we have right now. Yeah, oh. there, there are a couple towns in Russia that could probably make the yeah, same Yeah, you're plan. right. You know, you know. Minsk. So, N- Norilsk. Yeah. yeah, way up there. Way up north there. <laughs> Bill Bender joins us now from the Sporting News to talk a little NFL. I want to talk about today's games, but I can't. I, I have to lead with the Cowboys versus the Packers. Look, I know the Packers got a great young quarterback, but how much of a shockwave is Jerry going to send through the league when he finally decides what he's going to do about last night's game? I mean, I, I'm full disclosure. I'm a Green Bay fan. Uh, you know, I've been on the show a few times, and uh, so I was happy as a fan. Twenty-seven nothing. That you could, I could, and say, yeah, I thought they're going to be up twenty-seven nothing in the second quarter and pick six. And the Cowboys' meltdown end of it was a little bit predictable, predictable, but maybe not from that end or that level. Um, Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb struggled, and, and I think Jerry's comments are very telling because. He said this one's as bad as it gets and is maybe the worst one they've ever had. And they've played a lot of playoff games against the Packers so uh, and the Niners. So, yeah, I mean, I think the assumption right now is, or the big question is, not not about Mike McCarthy so much, is do they take a, a run at Bill Belichick? Yeah. Do, do, you, do you think Belichick and Jones could, like, coexist? Well, Bill Parcells and Jones did at least no. for a little bit. No. And, you know, I, there is a relationship there. There is, I think, an expectation. I think with Bill Belichick, he's not going to co-coach a – and I, I hate to – another franchise, but he's not going to go coach the Falcons. He's not going to go coach somewhere like that. I think he's got to coach at one of the front-line franchises, and despite not winning a Super Bowl for a very long time, the the Cowboys are certainly that. And it would make for great headlines. It would make for great TV. I was making the joke this morning that, you know, the Lions won their first playoff game in 30 years. Jordan Love may have had the best start ever by a Packers quarterback in their first playoff start. And my TV just said, what's wrong with the Cowboys all morning? It was wild. (laughs) Well, I will say this. When you're talking about, like, best quarterback showing – uh, and, and it's a Green Bay quarterback. That's a lot of really good quarterbacks in my lifetime. And that, that is, I think, a hell of a, uh, a reflection of how good he was. Brilliant. I mean, coming out and again, I'm watch, watching the game, <coughs> excuse me, and, uh, to take the ball, uh, win the toss, take the ball. I told my son, I was like, well, you better score. And just like the Lions game on Thanksgiving, they did. And Jordan Love was under control, threw the ball well down the field, hung in the pocket on third down, not thrown off his back foot. That stage certainly wasn't too big for him. And I think, look, I'll say the same thing I did last week. I don't think they'll beat San Francisco, but I expect them to go out there and compete. So let's go to today's games. We'll get back to the the Texans and the Chiefs and the Lions in a minute. That Lions game was wild. But I I want to talk about Steelers and Bills and and you know, like I know the weather's better t- than it would have been if they'd played on the weekend, but the weather isn't great. Like this is going to be I th- I think the Bills will win and I think they'll win handily. But this is going to be a messy football game based on what we're seeing photo-wise and video-wise out of Buffalo. 
Yeah, and, you know, the uglier it is, the more maybe there's a chance for Pittsburgh to hang around or maybe not. I mean, they are starting Mason Rudolph. I think the, the Bills obviously turned it up toward the end of the season. Defense is playing well. Uh, they got hot at the right time, kind of feel to them. And uh, the weather got in the way. Now it pushes back the schedule, obviously. I haven't I, – I, I love cold weather games. I, I love that I don't have to play in them. <laughs> somebody plays, I heard you guys talking about cold weather. Hey, those numbers you were throwing out there at the top, uh, it doesn't get that low here in Ohio. But we still – it doesn't mean I have to like cold weather one way or the other. <laughs> Well, if anywhere you are, if it goes down 30 degrees, there's bitching and moaning, and I don't care where you are, right? Like, that's a that's a big test to the yeah. body. Yeah, and, you know, for the Bills, I mean, a tremendous opportunity here. They they win this one. They could get the Chiefs in their backyard, and they've had two classic playoff games with the Chiefs. They played the Chiefs earlier this year. I think Buffalo is kind of that team that I'm eyeballing that they can get through a test with the Steelers' defense today, and the Steelers obviously will have a lot. Um that they could push this to the next level and, and definitely maybe get to the, the the AFC championship game if they can beat the Chiefs at home. One of the very interesting storylines next week is we'll finally get to see Patrick Mahomes play a road playoff game. We know how good he is at home. We'll see if Taylor Swift comes if it's that cold. I don't know if I would show up. I guess that's the test, right? That'll be the true love test, and if it doesn't work, there'll be more hell than a little bit on X. Um, I, I, I'm an Eagles fan, and I like. I'm not even afraid of this game. I'm willing to believe that this. If they win, it'll be barely. They're old on both lines now, and their their secondary is mush. I, I the Buccaneers aren't fabulous, but they're playing well. How do you see this game? I think the the Eagles find a way. I know A.J. Brown's right, Al. I know they still got that running game. Everything he said is true. He's get on a heater. He's played some good ball this year for the Bucks, and they are at home. But I think Jalen learned from his last trip there. I think they find a way to gut out, win a close one. Uh, true test to be next week. They go to Ford Field. The winner of this game goes to Ford Field no matter what. Plays this Lions team that is uh, – playing with a lot of emotion and and rightfully so but i like philly to get through today I, I hope that makes you feel a little bit better i just i think it's gonna be close either way maybe a field goal either way and uh trust the eagles kicker to make one at the end the the let's talk about the lions uh bill bender i guess from the sporting news because the last time the lions won a playoff game the edsel was available for sale in a new car showroom it seems like it anyway 24 23 it wasn't like it was a an, a laugher or anything like that but but all the the wide receivers they drafted all the barry sanders perfect years where they wouldn't even make the playoffs and they had the best running back ever uh, if you're a lions fan if you you remember the last playoff win You've done some suffering, right? Yeah, I mean, again, as a Packers fan, I'm only going to go so far in the back <laughs> and for their suffering, but I'll give them credit. Obviously, Dan Campbell's done a nice job building the culture there. Defense got after Matthew Stafford and Aiden Hutchinson had a couple big pressures in the clutch. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's amazing. Goff plays well there. Yeah. He, he does. And, you know, there were uh, – I know there was some – Frustration about a missed false start, false start call. But if we're going to do that, it was probably missed defensive holding on the Lions late. So those things balance themselves out. They didn't let that get to them. I have some buddies that are Lions fans. All I said to them was, "Hey, all right, you don't get to do the whole haven't won a game in 30 years thing. Now you've won one. All right, now let's see what you can do with it." And 
I think they're going to win their next one. Man, that sounds like a total Packers fan. You have fallen ass over tea kettle and the great quarterbacks all down the line, sir. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I know. I'm not denying the charges here, but I'm just saying, like, so you, you sound like my friends that accuse me, and they're Bengals and Browns fans, and they, they accuse me of having a quote-unquote Steelers mindset. And I'm like, well, maybe I do. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, very, very blessed with the quarterback. Not blessed with the defenses with those quarterbacks at times, other than when we had Reggie. But, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, looking forward to next week. Yeah, 49ers-Packers, it's always going to be fun. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Chiefs, only in that I think that, that you know, I mean – Eagles lost to them in the Super Bowl not that long ago, but they don't they don't seem to have the look and they don't seem to have all the weaponry that you'd want to have to go deep. They they did beat the Dolphins. Do you see them getting to the AFC championship game? Not sure. And they win a little bit differently this year. And it's the receivers that much has been made about the drops and Kelsey not having the year that he normally has, but he made some plays the other night. Their defense is good. Their secondary is good. Chris Jones is good. So they you know, were able to slow down that Miami offense, and, and the weather certainly helped. But they're a solid defensive football team. So that's why I think they're going to be in every game. Plus, when you have Patrick Mahomes, a guy that makes clutch plays at the right time and has done it all, seen it all, um, they'll still be dangerous next week. Uh, of the four games – next week potentially let's say buffalo wins and for for fun we'll say philadelphia wins um that chiefs bills game will be no doubt the best one of the weekend and then i i you know i i had actually talked to browns fans they do exist up here and they were like i don't know man flacco looks good for next year i'm like are you serious i think that's probably come down to earth a little bit fair yeah well i mean most of my buddies so where i'm situated in ohio you're either uh, a Bengals fan, a Browns fan is pretty even. There's a lot of Steelers fans in this part of the state. And then the Cowboys Packers guys like me that got made fun of a little bit in class, but not anymore. Um, the Browns fans, I know exactly what you just said. I mean, they were really high on Flacco, and now it's probably like, uh, what do we do at quarterback now? That defense is still very good. They've got some talented pieces. They might get Nick Chubb back, hopefully, uh, after that devastating leg injury. I think they had a fantastic year. It's just Playoff football isn't football, right? You've got to go and you've got to play well. When they turn the one thing with Flacco during that run they had, he was still throwing interceptions. And those interceptions bit them at the wrong time. Obviously, the Texans returned two of them. And how about C.J. Stroud? Talk about a guy where it's not too big for him. He was amazing. Yeah, he really was. All right. Enjoy. Stay warm. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Anytime. Thanks so much for having me on. Take All care. right. There you go. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Now, he, I think he has an accent. He probably thinks I have an accent, but I love his accent. And there, I've been told, I don't know this, I have been told there are parts of Ohio that are Steeler fans. And, like, I, I, I don't know how it's all cut up, but, like, Browns fans and Bengals fans, between the two teams... They don't own all of Ohio. They're Steelers fans. And I don't know whether that's a reflection of, you know, the four Super Bowls under Noel, because they were terrible before then, or, or what. But I always found that was a little bit of a... Because, I mean, I think Michigan fans, Michigan, like, citizens are Detroit Lions fans. 
Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I was going to say, like, if you're someone kind of my age, you grew up in an era with Ben Roethlisberger and, you know, like going right, going right from going right from Bill Cower to the Mike Tomlin era. Yeah. And the Browns and Bengals were terrible. Yeah. And if you just wanted to cheer for a winning team that had semi close proximity, that would be it because they had a lot of success for a lot of years. I guess that's it. I just, you know, I mean, I don't get it. I think you're, you know, of course, I, I grew up in Saskatchewan and I was an Eskimo fan. What does that tell you? How does that happen? I'll tell you exactly. And I've told this to people who are Rough Rider fans, and they get upset at me. And and I was once, my wife has a cousin. I told him the story, and he looked at my wife and said, I don't know why you don't kill him in his sleep. But I will tell you what happened. I, as a young person, I cheered for the underdog. I cheered for the Oakland Seals. I was a a Boston Bruins fan, but I also cheered for the Seals in, in hockey. And when I was young, the Edmonton Eskimos were very bad, very poor. And they were, they were, the, the Rough Riders were very good. They were in the Grey Cup in 66, uh, 72, 76. They, they were, they were excellent. They were Lancaster and Reed. That's all you heard about. Hugh Campbell. Exactly. And, and then Rhett Dawson later. They were, they were really, really good. So I was cheering for the underdog, which at that time was Edmonton. And I remember when Lemmerman came and I remember when Wilkie came and I sure remember when Moore and Moon came and, uh, I, I mean, I loved it. That was such a wonderful team. And then they were winning, which, which helped. But I, when I became an, and it's the same with the Eagles, I, I had a tendency when I was young to cheer for the underdog, partly because I love drafts, love drafts. So when Tony Gabriel caught that touchdown pass for Ottawa in the 76 Grey Cup, there no. was no, no, okay. There was no, no like, actually, if you, you want, want to know the truth, when I got to CKCK in Regina and I worked in the sports department, I said to Al Ford, why didn't you cover him? And he said, it wasn't my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say not being a Riders fan and being from Saskatchewan is the closest thing you'll find to sacrilege. No, I know. I've, I've, people religion. have like they don't threaten because Saskatchewan people are kind people, but people are like, "What is wrong with you? Yeah. Where are your parents?" They just won't share their crops with you. I mean, it's like I, you know, I, I get kicked out of cars a lot, you know, when I'm Saskatchewan. But you know, the problem with Saskatchewan, everybody's so damn friendly and kind. So, and it's not really a problem. All right, it's one sixteen. Our friend Jason Greger on the way. We'll preview his show. We'll talk about the orders. Little NFL as well. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. Thanks for tuning in. We love you. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. Great interview with Rachel. She's excellent. She's on every Monday, 1240. L.A., the PLD effect. You know, I know that's going around. People are talking about it. But, you know, it does take time, sometimes a year. Um, I, I, I think you've got to give PLD next year, too. And when that trade was made, I said, I did, I actually said it. I could go back and find it. I thought it was a great deal for Winnipeg. They gave up a lot. But if you're L.A. and you're trying to get through Edmonton and you want to be strong down the middle, and it's not over yet. Like, this is not the playoffs yet. L.A. is going to be a tough out no matter who faces them. They they are looking for a guy who can help them in the postseason, and maybe he'll be there already by then. I do admit it has been... Really, really, really tough for them recently. 
Maybe Toronto can use Soupy from Sam. Everybody's a comedian today. All right. We're now joined by our friend Jason Greger, who's chuckling at that. Uh, <laughs> the kindness of Oilers fans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just give away cash. Oh, yeah. We'll take it. 13 and a half. Well, it's actually probably closer to 15 million cash still owed. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I was just saying earlier that, that I, I know Oilers fans, at least some Oilers fans, are hesitant to give Ken Holland credit. But I will say, he kept his powder dry and he was impatient. And maybe, maybe all, patience was all he had because there were so many holes or whatever. But going back to November, they did change the coach and that some strategy was changed. Uh, this team right now looks like the team everybody envisioned last summer, last fall. Well, it's funny you say that. I'll had a lengthy conversation with Darnell Nurse who played on my show today. Just because at the end of last season, what was the message? We got to be better defensively. Yeah. The start of this season, we got to be better defensively. And obviously that did not happen in the first, like it was a debacle the first 12 games. But since then, the Oilers have been the fourth best defensive team in the NHL. No. And, and it's not Al, like it's where, you know what, you're relying on Stuart Skinner to stand on his head. He's got to make some key saves, sure, but. They've really reduced the glaring errors, and which leads to scoring chances off the rush. And uh, it's eight straight games now that they've gone with only allowing two goals or less in eight straight. And, you know, really, their, their defense, it's only Winnipeg who's been better over their second best defense over the last, uh, since November 24th, right? right. So it's, and, and I, the way they're playing, it looks fairly sustainable, yes. right? I, I, obviously, there's going to be some peaks and valleys, no question. They're in a run here where they're not playing a lot of great teams. So, you know what? I, uh, you know, let's say this: the orders aren't going to win 18 of uh, their next 21 games, right? It would be great, but, but the odds of that happen. happening yeah. are pretty low. Now, they might win 14, yeah. which is still fine. But Edmonton's good. Out, I thought we all thought they were good at the start of the year, and like I said, they're a good team playing poorly, mm-hmm. and. You know, Jack Campbell, had he stayed up here, you know, would he have found his game? Well, he hasn't really found in the American League, Al, so that's against, you know, less talented shooters. So I know a lot of people say, oh, he's the one who paid the price for it. And I'm like, well, he's got to play better. And let's be honest here. It wasn't like last year he was, a, you know, the epitome of consistency. No, right? it wasn't. Even when the team was playing well, yeah. you know, he wasn't. So, um, like, at some point, the players do have to be accountable for their play. No. Right, he wasn't the only problem, but he was a significant one. And now, you know what? Uh, they're playing well. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're. I think they're. I don't expect Ken Holland to stand pat mm. at the at the trade deadline. Far from it. I think they're going to be looking to make some moves here. No question. Is there any chance on earth, Jason, that a last chance Texaco for Jack Campbell, a recall, and maybe a, a two or three game look? I'd be surprised unless all of a sudden he reels off five or six in a row in the American League where he plays well. Because remember that when Jack Campbell comes up, the orders lose cap space. Yes, they do. And they wouldn't be able to. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to. So you don't have the extra body around. So could you do it? Yes. You'd go back to a 21-man roster. So in theory, it does work. In practicality, Al... I'd be surprised. Now, okay. you know what? If if all of a sudden there's an injury or something like that, well, that changes everything. But I think right now, today, I don't see them saying, hey, Calvin Pickard, all you're doing is winning games and playing well. Well, we're going to send you down just because we you know, we feel like Jack deserves a chance. I don't think that's going to happen. Looks like McLeod is, is – Kane is on the second line, which we and I talked about yeah, last week. Yeah, it makes weekend. sense. Let's yeah. be honest. And, but McLeod on the third line, and maybe you know, maybe the right-hander takes the right side in Derek Ryan, and then McLeod on the left side. Looks like there'll be two centers on that third line. Yeah, and, and even when Derek Ryan takes the face off, I think he'll take the face off. 
and then maybe for a few seconds. But if they win the draw and they clear it out, McLeod's going to play center. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, but it, you know what? It's, it's not a bad thing. I what uh, I, I try to tell people, like I know McLeod and Fogle, they had a run, but they weren't. If Andrew Kane has a 500 game career of being a good player, he's and everyone's like, "Oh, he's not playing well this year." I'm like, "He's yeah, still got 14 goals, yeah. so he's on pace for 30 goals again." And I know that lately he struggled, and I would agree. But guys go up and down, yeah. right? And that's just that's just how it's going to be. Jason, do you, two things. Number one, uh, if he's away from Brown and Brown's away from him, they're both at 50 percent goal share at five on five. So when they're together, it's difficult. And I do think injury is part of that. Is there any sense that Kane is not like? physically 100%. Like, I mean, even if he's recovered from his injury, he's been off for a while, and maybe he's not, he needs to get, like, I'm not saying another training camp, but he needs to get his wheels going. I don't know. I'd have to ask him. A banner's normally pretty fairly honest about that. He's, you know, he'll tell you if an off, you know, he'll tell you and, and basically saying, yeah, you know what? Hey, I got this nagging me. This is nagging me. So I saw him today, but I was interviewing Darnell Nurse at the mm. time, so I didn't have a chance to ask him. I, I could ask him. I don't, um, like I know a few weeks ago he was banged up. He wasn't practicing. Then he missed a game, right? And then he came back. And, you know, so you can have a nagging injury that you play through mm. that can limit you. And I, I think people always have to remember that. So no. I, I'd be curious if there's something that's impacting his production right now. Um, so goaltender, maybe, um, maybe a center, maybe a fourth, oh, line fourth not maybe. I think the yeah. four mark it down. I think so. Holloway wouldn't be the guy. I, that's a, that's a possibility, but I think honestly, I think they're, I think they'd like to upgrade two pieces on their fourth line if they could. Right. Yeah. So I think maybe. they'd like to upgrade on Hamlin and Ernie. So maybe like uh, I don't, I'm using McEwen as an example, Zach McEwen, maybe a physical winger or, or more skill. Well, ideally a combination of both, okay. right? If, yeah. if you could, easier said than done, of course. Um, you know, people have asked about Carrick, right? So there's, I think Edmonton would like a little tenacity, Al. Right. For sure. And, and McEwen's a guy who brings that. There's no question about it. So yeah. I think they want to, they need a little bit more tenacity. Um, you know, somebody who's responsible defensively, but who's going to get it on the four check. Like Adam Ernie does hit, but he he gets hits on the on the hit chart, but outside of one, it's not like you know they're noticeable. If you know right. what I mean now, so yeah, yeah. Um, and it's hard. Hey, I give Adam Ernie a lot of credit for a guy who plays limited minutes. He's still outscoring the opposition at five on five. That's all you want. Yeah. So I, I'm not people ripping on the fourth line. I'm like, is the fourth line costing them games? No, no the fourth no. line's not costing them games at all. Now they're not playing very much at all, and and I'm I'm still a, I've seen this before. You've got to be able to play your fourth line at least nine or ten minutes. I think ideally, how they want a fourth liner and could be a penalty killer too, because I don't think Connor Brown is a lock to stay here. I'm sorry, like the pain. I agree. The pain is done. Yeah. We all know the bo- and for everybody out there how it works. The bonus structure was earned when he played his eleventh game or tenth oh. game, excuse me. So because he played as a member of the orders, it's on their cap. But when you trade him in a trade, he's a seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollar player this year. It's why he's not going on waivers because you'd lose him for nothing, yeah. right? And so now, I shouldn't say maybe if if you acquire players you want to do it and the other team doesn't want to take him, then okay, fine, right? But the other team would take him because I still think there'll be teams out there that say, okay, Connor Brown. For for league minimum with his pedigree, yeah, we'll take a chance well, for an on audition, him. right? Hundred you know? yeah. percent. So I I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think Connor Brown, like Connor Brown, if he wants to stay in Edmonton, I think he basically has two months to show because William Lagason was part of the Kulak trade, yeah. Sam Gagne was part of the. You make you add guys in to make the salary work. Yeah. 
Right now, you have to give up a pick. The player goes just to make the salary work. And right now, the way he's playing, like, I get that he's on the penalty kill, but guess what? It's not like they're like, well, we can't lose that minute 45 of penalty kill time a game. No. They can find someone else to do that. Like, I'm sorry, they can. So he's got to, he's got to figure out something here. You can't just continue to, and he doesn't hit, he doesn't score. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. And he's like the, the, I think the owners will make a trade, and I think the first round pick is in play. But I think they'll want somebody back who has term. Yes, if they're going to trade that first round, I'd, pick. I'd be surprised if the first rounder was just a rental. Al, I could no. see the first round now. Obviously, he wouldn't come here, and we know for personal reasons. But Adam Larson has another year in his contract. Now Seattle's put themselves back in a hunt. But I'm telling you, three weeks ago, a lot of people were like, "Hey, Adam Larson might be available." Yeah, yeah, right? and and yeah. he would have he would have big time. Uh, assets in return for Seattle, but yeah. Seattle's now won nine in a row. Right, yeah. they play this afternoon. They're they're close. They're they're one point back of L.A. Yeah. Now L.A.'s got games in hand like Edmonton does, but you know even like Seattle's only a few points back of Nashville. They're yeah. right in the race here, and, and so are the Calgary Flames. Funny enough, yeah, it is true. Now, when you, I'm going to ask you about the Pacific because it's so fascinating. Vancouver, you know, uh, Vegas, L.A. are all one, two, three. But not Edmund- much longer. Yeah, Edmonton and Seattle are. I wonder, like, even at Vancouver, I don't know that they're. A no, first. Vancouver is going to finish first. You think so? Yeah. Well, look, like, what are they? Fourteen points up. Yeah. On, like, the Orders have won ten in a row. Well, Vancouver's won five in a row. Like, they've yeah, only they gained well. minimal points on the Canucks. Like, it's it's a lot to ask to gain. I know that the Orders have games in hand still, mm-hmm. but that's just a lot. Even if they win all their games in hand, they're still six or eight points behind them. So. Is it because I think Vegas or L.A. one of them might miss the playoffs? I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but Vegas is losing a lot of games right well, now. Well, Jack Eichel's now on IR. We yeah. don't know, and they said he'll miss time out, which not two weeks, but time. So yeah. that could be a significant injury for them. Now they are getting Aiden Hill back. I think that'll help them because their goaltending just hasn't been good enough without yeah. him. But I, I think I think Edmonton, honestly, I think second place is well within their reach. They're they're one point back of L.A. now. Yeah, they're six back of Vegas with four games in hand. Yeah. Right. So and and they're in the tiebreaker. So they not only, but you go three and one in those games, and you you go two and two. You're only two points back with half the season to go. So they, the way Edmonton's playing, the way Vegas is 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 floundering a little bit. I, I still think there's time for both of those teams to kind of right the ship a little bit. Like yeah. they're they're driving into the ditch, Al. But you know how it is back when you used to drive in Saskatchewan, right? You've hit the <laughs> ditch, but then you pulled yourself back sure. out well, and kept going to Bri- yeah. uh, to uh, to Maidstone. So you know it happened a few times. Yeah, if you hit the ditch in Saskatchewan, just avoid the other cars. Yes, that are well, in the exactly. ditch. And yeah. it was normally like the, it's like the ditch in Saskatchewan, Al, is <laughs> is not very deep because nope. let's be honest, it's pretty flat it's everywhere. A, it's so, all flat. Yeah, you can they're see just the... like, why is it? What are you doing? Well, I'm passing on this side. Yeah. Oh, is, aren't you in the ditch? Well, I couldn't yeah. tell. You drive out of Regina, you see the lights of Los Angeles. People don't know that, but it's true. So uh, I wanted to ask you as well about while we're talking about the the uh, the Pacific Division because I do think you mentioned Calgary as well. If 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 we get tight here, like and a lot of teams are buyers at the deadline, and in the Pacific Division that may well happen. How many deals do you see the owners making? I think Edmonton is going to make at least two trades. Yeah, and I think. Max would be three. It's hard to do that because of cap space. Yeah. But I could see them. Three would be, and, and three is, is, is kind of pie in the sky because I think that would include upgrading on Cody Cece, which is hard to do. Yeah. Right. Um, I saw Darcy McLeod was, was, uh, crunching some numbers on Walker and Walker's strengths are a little bit of Cody Cece's weakness. Like going back on puck retrievals. Yeah. So if you play him with nurse, 
that, you know, that pair could work. Like, I'm a little cautious of having a 5'11 defender who's not Hughes, who's not McCarr, and who's not Fox against elite forwards. Because when you play with Darnell Nurse, that's what happens. Sure. Right? That's yeah. just the reality. Yeah. And um, so th- there is a little trepidation for me there. Because other than that, like, I'm not sold that Tanev is like a blockbuster guarantee massive upgrade, right, yeah. for what you might have to to give, give away to do him. it, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, but I think I think Edmonton's going to make two trades in the for four position. I think a right shot center, uh, a bigger one. I think another winger who's a little robust are, are two things they would look for for sure, and maybe even like a, a depth seventh defenseman, right? Like right. Phil Broberg, Phil Kemp, Gleason. None of those guys are. I think are veteran enough with NHL experience to fall under the... Because let's be honest, Al, if you look at the playoffs, usually you're going to have to use seven defensemen. Right, and chances are if somebody gets hurt that Broberg would be the first call-up from Bakersfield, and there's nothing wrong with that if he's your extra guy. So, um, NFL, I have to ask about the Dallas Cowboys. Like, huh. When's the last time they won? Like, It has been... Every year they do this, and I'm I'm in I, my Eagles are in the same division. They, Dallas wins like every second championship, NFC championship. They win the the division for They're the year. Good. Yeah, what is Dax two and five now? So oh that's not idea. Like God. I watched that game yesterday, and as I'm watching it, so Green Bay opening drive, you're like, okay, this is going to be a game, right? Yeah. And then the Cowboys look good. They moved. I'm like, all right, this is going to be a you know back and forth and. The drive stalls, but as I'm watching, like, why are they continually running on second down? What the hell are they doing? And they did it all game, right? And with virtually no production, like, if you want to throw a screen pass to Tony Pollard every now on second down, go right ahead. But C.D. Lamb was invisible in the first half. They barely threw to him. No. Now, Al, I'm I'm not a rocket scientist, but isn't the adage... Go to with who got you to the dance. Stick yeah. with them. Yeah. So C.D. Lamb, I'm pretty sure he played a big point in their offense. Now, you can tell me all you want that Green Bay tried. Oh, well, Green Bay, they disguised defense and they took him out of the game. Give me a break. You run enough patterns to get him involved. I don't care if they're four, four yard slot pattern crossers all day long. Yeah. Get him involved in the game. It was ridiculous. So that was bad offensively. And then defensively. Now, Romeo no Dobbs, Al, I, no. I didn't know that he was Jerry Rice because he looked like <laughs> Jerry Rice yesterday against Dallas's defense. They had no answer, and I will give Love a lot of credit. No, he played well. And and there's another great example. Warren Moon talked about developing quarterbacks. So now Jordan Love didn't come out. He wasn't a top number one overall draft pick, right? But look what happened. He sat there. Now, and, and it's not like Aaron Rodgers was singing kumbaya with him being a great guy helping him out, right? He doesn't have that no. reputation. No. But he got reps, and he watched, and he learned. And when he came in as a young guy, he wasn't a young guy six months out of college, well, right? He'd oh. been running the offense. And I think that I think there's something to be learned. Everyone's like, oh, look at Green Bay. They're so lucky. I'm like, it's not luck when it's happened now two times sure. in a row with both Rodgers and both Love being backups for many years before they got to be a starter. Sure, and San Francisco used to do, Bill Walsh would do this all the time, having a, like a, a quarterback who, even if he's a, you know, a top 10 pick or whatever, not play early because then you can learn, right? It's a tough position to play. Yeah, I think there's a lot of... and, and Like C.J. Stroud, is the, he's a unicorn oh, now. Oh my God, I give him a lot of credit, man. That was an absolute... But... I'm really sorry. I know there's lots of Browns fans. Jack Michaels and many others are really good people. But the Browns, guess what? When you sign human dung like uh, Mr. Watson, that's what happens. That's karma, baby. That is karma 
all day long for that organization. Nothing's good is going to come to that organization until Watson's gone and he's got guaranteed contract. So you got another six years of sucks. So I still don't know why they did it. it like I know they no were they didn't have you know like Montana at quarterback, but they had a lot of things that were good in that team. It yeah, and they no went after Watson with all of the stuff that was out there, and they decided not only did they go after him. They guaranteed him everything. And you're just like, why? There is no, so I'm sorry. I have zero empathy, none for him. And uh, I'd I'd love to see it. Like, sorry for all the good Browns fans. Dennis, the Brown fan, long time listener. I'm sorry, Dennis, but um, there'll be a lot more pain for your team. Who wins today? Buffalo and. Well, Buffalo, I got, I probably. Well, Josh Allen, buddy, that guy, the thing about Josh Allen is they could dominate him or Josh Allen could have four turnovers and the game could be super close. So I will still, pro- I'm going to go with him and I'm going to go with Hertz. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the Eagles will find, I know they're on the road because the, the Tampa, Tampa Bay, I don't like, I don't know, Baker Mayfield, we'll see. But Philly has, as you see, you know better than I do, they've choked a lot here down oh the stretch. Five out of six. Secondary and both lines are old. They've yeah. got problems. So I'm still going to go with the Eagles for one game, Al. No. But, uh, and I'll go with the Bills. But I will say this. The, uh, the Chiefs, it's amazing when your receivers don't drop the ball, how good they still look. No. And uh, I don't think they just missed their off. Everybody was like, oh, my God, they missed Eric, their coordinator, everything. I'm like, eh, if they catch all the balls they drop, they're a little bit better. No. And the Detroit Lions. Oh, my God. Uh, like, I'm happy for all the Lions fans. D- like, all those videos that Dan Campbell said when he first hired, they've all come to fruition now. I know he yeah. got a lot. Like, that guy wears his emotion on his sleeve. He's such a different personality in pro sports. He's emotional. He's raw. He's real. Yeah. And it's nice. And you know what? So I'm cheering for the Lions, man. Now they got another home game. Good for them. I know. And and as long as they don't draft a wide receiver every damn year in the first round, That's they true. should be good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned, uh, and you tweeted it out. I tweeted it out again <clears throat> on the weekend and again today. Uh, GoFundMe for, for Robin's family, which is just... Yeah, for, for Annalyn and Sam. Um, yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's a real tough time for their family. And so, you know what, if you, if you can help out, it's on our Twitter. We'll have it up at Sports1440. You, you text in, we'll send you the link uh, directly to, to help them for, for lots for now and then hopefully some for the future yeah. uh, with Sam. So, you know, it was obviously, it was, it was unexpected, uh, massive heart attack for uh, Bronte. And, um, you know, there, there's always the... You know, kind of the the aftershock effects. There's the yeah. emotional shock out, but then there's the, the living shock. And so, if we can if we can kind of help reduce that, that would be wonderful. It's a great idea. What's coming up on the show? Uh, hey, Terry Ryan. Speaking of emotion, hello, uh, Terry Ryan. One of the greatest post game interviews ever. <laughs> he signed as a 47 year old to to play for his, his hometown uh, Newfoundland Growlers in the ECHL. And man, he got really choked up talking about what it meant to him to, to have his daughter see him. I, I just loved his life. He says, you know what? When I played, I think all my teammates would get. I worked my hardest on and off the ice, but I did not know how hard life was. Yeah. And I think so many people are like, you know what? That's right. And he goes, I appreciate it now. You know, this was amazing experience for him. And I think it's a really good reminder because sometimes people, we look at others and, you know, they're a movie star or they're, or they're a, a musician star or, or they're a, a professional athlete, the highest level. And they're like, oh God, that would be great. And that, but that's such a small, small percentage. You can find happiness if your peak is you know what you're a kick-ass lounge singer and you love it and that's great for you then that can be enough it doesn't always have to be about that and it was so we'll talk to tr about that andy vitrillo will join us some interesting she has a study done on on women and acl issues in in soccer and they did a whole study on it 
And it's a legit thing. This is not this is not gender bias. This is facts. Oh, so we'll talk to uh, to Andy about that. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Oilers franchise record breaking uh, winning streak. Al, oh, oh. Uh, the Leafs come to town, and hey, the Oilers have six games. Al, oh. six games uh, before the and lots of winnable games in there. But this week sets up. Toronto's a good game. No. Seattle's rolling, You're and back. the Calgary Flames are back in it. So uh, a fun week for order fans. How did you know I was a ridiculously good lounge singer? Did somebody tell you that? Or? Yeah, I got sources. Well, there you go. All right, thanks, Jason. Have a good one. Jason Greger Show coming up at 2 o'clock today. We'll take a break. On the way, Declan is going to do Mama MMA, and we're going to hear an ABBA song. I love it. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, powered by Wolf GMC Buick. You know, often in life... Declan gets the short end. And this is an example. I go late because I'm talking to Gregor and having a good time. Then we do the commercial break. We come back and Low Tide loves ABBA. So I'm dancing around. Meanwhile, the clock is ticking. Mama MMA is here and you've got like eight minutes. So go. Well, you know, that whole time I was thinking, like, would this segment have survived if we didn't have that as an intro song? Because I, I talk about this stuff that I'm deeply passionate about. And, you know, sometimes your eyes gloss over a little bit. I love that song so much. I know. And, I, you know, we let that one run and we let it play. And I sit here and I think to myself, if this song wasn't the intro, this segment probably wouldn't exist. If you want to do something else, what's the next thing you'd like to do? Just say, you know, we could intro it with SOS by ABBA. And I'm I'm all over it. <laughs> I would love to do a college football segment, but I don't know how we can find a phonetic name for that off of an ABBA song. Well, let maybe me... if someone named Fernando really blows up and becomes a yeah. star of the sport. And if the winner takes it all was a faster song, we could do that too. Yeah. Well, let me work on it. All right, we'll we'll workshop it. Listen, the UFC it uh, it was back this past weekend. Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker was the main event. Magomed Ankalaev is a guy who I think is probably a top two light heavyweight in the world, if not the best light heavyweight in the world. This was a rematch against Johnny Walker, a fight that ended due to an illegal knee. Magomed Ankalaev is a guy who fought for the vacant title back at UFC 282 against Jan Blahovich. Now, for reference and timing and everything like that, UFC 297 is this past week. Is this next week? And excuse me, Magomed Ankalaev is a guy who I think poses incredible matchup problems for Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira, who is the current light heavyweight champion, we've seen what he can do with his kickboxing. You've probably heard me talk about him on this show. I'm not sure if the name resonated, but he is a world-class kickboxer, a former glory kickboxing two-division champion, but we've seen weaknesses on the ground, notably in his fights with Jan Blahovich, which was, which was his light heavyweight debut, and we even saw Israel Adesanya in their first fight, who's not a grappler by any stretch of the imagination, have success. Magomed Ankalaev is a guy who I think is who has, at this point, earned himself a title shot, another title shot, against Alex Pereira, and I think he's a guy who can go in there. Now listen, anyone can get slept by Alex Pereira on planet Earth. If Alex Pereira hits you in the right spot with that devastating left hook. His nickname is Hand of Stone. He's going to put you out. But if Magomed Ankalaev can get in the clinch, work it to the fence, get Alex Pereira down to the ground, there is such a skill gap and there is such a knowledge gap of how to operate on the ground and the movements you need to have and the positioning and things like that that Magomed Ankalaev will cakewalk his way into being the light heavyweight world champion now that's obviously a big if because when you need to when you when you predicate your game on getting a fight to the ground you need to be able to close distance 
I know that. Uh, no, I know. Yeah. I'm not telling you. I'm telling I fight everybody. often with my coffee maker, and I have the same issues. <laughs> and when you close that distance, you enter a danger. No, it's the coffee maker that closes the distance on me. I oh, that's keep watching it, it. Okay. Sorry. No, 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 please. Um... <laughs> But you, 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 when you need to close that distance, you enter a danger zone. And when you enter a danger zone with a guy like Alex Pereira, who can do anything to put you out, you put yourself in harm's way. Can he avoid that? Is that the fight that's going to be made next? It remains to be seen, but I think Magomed Ankalaev has a great matchup in front of him if he is next to challenge for the light heavyweight championship of the world. We're going to go down to, oh, did you have a question? No, I just, oh. I, I just wanted to just express to you that there are times in life when somebody, it's it's so spot on and knows you so well that you you kind of chuckle and your your question at the top of this segment I don't even know if this segment would exist if it wasn't for Mamma Mia by oh, Abba is so spot on that I'm still giggling to myself because there's not a chance in hell it would still be going if you didn't introduce it with with the Abba song which really shows you that the programming department should not let Low Tide have any input. Well, I feel a little bit of responsibility that I haven't done enough. That I haven't done a good enough job with this segment it, to give it legs. If you if you wanted me to buy into it, you'd have to talk about boxing from 1973, and that would Low ruin tide. the segment. We can always talk about boxing well, from 1973. It was a great group of heavyweights, I will tell you that. Oh, we, now, you, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, I'm saying. Listen, we can circle back to that because I got a lot to say about the heavyweights of that era. UFC 297 is this upcoming weekend. The UFC returns to Canada for a pay per view event that will have two title fights: the middleweight championship of the world between the recently crowned middleweight champion Sean Strickland and the women's bantamweight championship of the world between Raquel Pennington and Moira Bueno Silva. Sean Strickland versus Driscus Duplessis. Al, I'm going to throw this back to you for a oh, second. Oh, sure. Yes. Think of a boxing match, a, a big title match where two fighters absolutely hated each other and you oh. worried it might get a little volatile. Well, th- there there were many back in the day. And, and the here's the thing. You know what happened to the heavyweight division? I do have a point with that question. Okay. I'll get I'll get to it when we get there. But go Larry on. Holmes kind of stopped everything because he was so dominant. He and was. All of the fighters who I were brilliant, even Norton, they aged out, yep. right? And, and and then he just didn't have anybody for a while. Exactly. And then yeah. Foreman kind of came back later. But but Holmes, he he yeah. was so dominant. Yeah, he bought a town in Pennsylvania, and <laughs> like it was just nuts how good he was. And nobody yeah. was. And I was so sad. And I actually, it's one of the reasons that boxing sort of went away from me because when you experience like there was there was Frazier Foreman, there was obviously Muhammad Ali, but yep. there was Kenny Norton, and there was a whole group of people just below that, right? Yes. And then they kind of all went, and then Holmes just beat up whoever he wanted he to. He did. Yeah, Holmes yeah. ruled the 80s until he ran into Mike Tyson. Yes, that one exactly. Night fight in, I yep. think it was 88 when they fought for the uh for And the Tyson was a title. machine. Like Tyson, yeah. Tyson was the most dangerous fighter I've ever seen. Well, then to your point, when when you know George Foreman came back, Larry Holmes was past it. In that era of 90s heavyweights with Holyfield and Riddick Bowe and Razor Ruddock and yep. Tommy Morrison and Lennox Lewis and you know who else am I forgetting Buster Mathis not really a good you know who was the, of that era but who was the the blue eyed guy uh, damn it with the, the 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 white gentleman with the wavy hair that yeah, was yeah. yeah that was Tommy Morrison there you go yeah that was Tommy yeah. Morrison he got knocked out brutally I believe that one was by Razor Ruddock but I could be misremembering he was just in the wrong era. might have been Bo oh he was <laughs> and you know what he the, he was a great heavyweight boxer and he struggled to hold a part of the heavyweight title yeah because it was just such a great era of fighters but the point I was trying to get at I'm going to jump back to it 
Sean Strickland and Driscus Duplicy do not like each other. These guys were actually seated uh, right behind, right beside each other. So Sean Strickland was in front. Driscus Duplicy was behind at the last pay per view event. They ended up getting in a fight in the stands, <laughs> in the crowd. They got Love in a fight. It. That's how much they don't like each other. There have been a lot of things said back and forth. There have been some slurs dropped by Sean Strickland. There have been some some comments made uh, about the passive Sean Strickland by Driscus Duplicy. These two hate each other. It reminds me. It reminds me of Lewis Tyson, but even. Even more so, it reminds me of Mayorga De La Hoya because that one really got to a personal level when De La Hoya was thought to be past yep. it, came back and fought uh, Mayorga for his belt at the time, which was the uh, super welterweight championship of the world in 06. These guys hate each other. This is going to be a fight that is going to have a lot of emotion in it. And a lot of the time, what you say, what you hear in a combat sport uh, setting is that you need to put emotion aside. Mm. You need to go back to your tools that got you to the dance, to your skill set that got you to the dance. I'm not sure Sean Strickland, who's the incumbent champion, has that ability to put his emotions aside for this one. He's a very emotional guy. He fights emotional, but I also think he's one of the rare cases where that actually helps him fight better how is the fight going to play out i think i think either of these guys have different ways to win i think sean strickland is a far better far cleaner far crisper boxer when it's on the feet but i think driscus has a more diverse skill set will driscus be able to get the fight to the ground i would imagine in some capacity what's it going to look like when it's standing i think sean has a bit of an edge but driscus knocked out robert whitaker so we don't know it's going to be a good fight i'm really looking forward to that one that one's ufc 297 this Saturday it looks in Canada. Like, it looks like Take a Chance on Me is going to be the uh, football college football song, um, but we'll we'll try. Oh, this is good. I got to say this. Al, next time on MMA Talk, can you type loudly? That's what Mrs. is missing. <laughs> <laughs> you could have. You got the laptop over there and everything. We could have had you typing it up. It would have been great. Uh, listen, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the ABBA song. I enjoyed all the things today. Uh, thanks so much for tuning into the Lowdown. Jason Greger is next. Uh, and we'll have Mama MMA next Monday, the extended cut. I promise you. Thanks so much for tuning into the Lowdown. It's time for a sports update.